Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Well, to say we're wrapping up the week on an interesting note, just might be putting it mildly with so many outside market influences being factored into the trade. And and we're dealing with uh, weather, the talk of rain, the will it rain, will it not rain? It's just kind of adding that extra layer to the trade. But we did see some higher numbers on the livestock side, maybe some in prep for the afternoon reports coming from the USDA. But on the grain side, uh, soybeans were the only one with the glimmer of hope. Wheat took it again hard once again. We're going to take a look at what's happening in these trades today as we're being joined by Mike Zuzalo. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. As we look at these numbers we got to talk first, this weather game. And I think game is the perfect word to use, Mike, because is it going to rain? Is it not going to rain? We know guys that got hit with 60 and 70 mile an hour winds in Nebraska this morning, devastating crops. So it's just been a very interesting marketing year. Yeah, it really has. And, you know, we're getting closer and closer to having similar crop conditions in terms of good to excellent conditions and in the amount of drought that we are in in corn and soybean, Susan. Um, that we had last year at this time. And I think this is where, if I had to say in general terms what has driven this market most the last two to three weeks, essentially most of the month of July, I still think it's been more demand and a lot less weather, a lot less of the fear of and putting in some risk premium for the weather side of the equation. And I know we've gotten some very timely rains. Uh, I know we've had some issues where uh, some people in the eastern Corn Belt have been able to get uh, planted just in the nick of time. So I'm not saying that we need a lot of risk premium added, but I do think that the trade is kind of walking past the graveyard thinking that USDA's national yield numbers are pretty much made at this point. I, I would disagree with that mindset if I'm right. I think we're quite a ways away from meeting that because the crop is still very, very far behind and shorter, a lot shorter, especially in the soybeans. And that's something I've picked up on both sides of the Corn Belt as far as the potential uh, damage that could be done to the production side of soybeans because of the size of the crop and how late it got planted. So I'm still thinking at this point that the Federal Reserve policy, the world recessionary pressures, they've taken hold of these commodity markets the last three weeks for the most part. I think at this stage, especially with the Ukrainian-Russian uh, shipping uh, corridor agreement in place and what it's done to the wheat market, uh, I think we're, we're at a point now where we've got plenty of demand negativity priced in, especially now that we're starting to see some of these wheat export numbers and some of the corn demand numbers start to turn around. So many things that we're looking at. And before we uh, jump away from weather, what have you heard conversation-wise for the number of folks that are banking on getting some sort of precipitation in the next couple of weeks to be able to get a decent crop, knowing all the factors that are against them? Yeah, I mean, three weeks ago and or two and a half weeks ago, I think that you could have taken the corn and bean yields for 2022 from above average to well below average. That's how important that rain was. And, and we've been able to shrink the area, the geographical area, for having that kind of a destructive pattern of weather. Having said that, I think the western Corn Belt, with the heat especially, and that goes all the way up to Omaha and snakes into Iowa, which is already in drought in that area uh, north of Omaha, I think it's, it's absolutely paramount that probably a third of the Corn Belt gets relief here, that, that driest third of the Corn Belt. So my take right now is it's going to be very hard to get a 175 national yield 
uh, in corn. It's going to be very hard to get a 50 bushel yield in soybeans unless we just remain or get perfect in terms of those dry, very dry areas. Because my expectation and, and what I've seen over the last you know 10 or 15 years is it's very hard to take the crop conditions up after the end of July, especially when you have this kind of a heat and uh, this kind of, of, of uh, you know very dry period that we're going through right now. So we need the ridge to break down, and we need it to really never come back at this point if we're going to secure those average yields, in my opinion. I'd be okay with that, and I'm sure there's be some livestock producers out there that would agree with you as well. We've got uh, kind of the mouse in the corner is an upcoming Fed meeting, and we know the last time the Feds talked, ag markets reacted. Having said that, how are we shaping up leading into this next meeting? If I am the chairman of the Fed right now, and I see that jobless claims this week were at an eight-month high. I see that mortgage applications were the lowest since 2000. I see that the composite purchasing managers index from Standard & Poor's went into recessionary territory. And I see that my own real-time Atlanta Fed uh, GDP uh, real-time indicator is of sounding the alarm bells that we're headed towards less than 2% growth as we go into the second half of the calendar year. I would be of the viewpoint to go the three-quarters of a percent, meet the market expectations, then say we're taking our gas, uh, our foot off the gas, we're going to go coasting into the end of the year to see what this does to the real economy. Do you have any nervousness about this meeting and, and the whole talk of inflation and interest rates? I do, because I, I think they could easily overdo it, and I think that's where we are seeing the gas demand fall. We're seeing it down you know, a couple, three percentage points versus where we were last year at this time. We're seeing stocks build in gasoline. Um, we're seeing, obviously, the grain prices. Soft red wheat, as of Friday's close, Susan, has erased all of its 2022 gains. We're back below where we were on the opening on January 1. So the inflationary push that we've had has been dealt with very well by the markets for the most part. I don't want the Fed to come in and pile on right when we're starting to slow down automatically. Well, when we come back, we've got a lot more to talk about. But before we, we head to break, real quick, your thoughts on, on this wheat market. It took another big dive again today. Yeah, the big thing about the wheat is while we, you and I are talking about a potential substantial drought in the United States, it's real in Europe. And that's why we're still about $1.50 under the price of Paris wheat in the mercantile exchange. And we're $2.70 under the price of Paris corn. So I still think there's a lot to be said about the European drought in terms of our demand and our price. All right. More is coming up, folks. Stick around. We've got more on this Friday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell just around the corner right here on the Rural Radio Network. Building relationships to help you succeed is our goal at Fontenelle Hybrids. Here's Verniel Moritz, a Fontenelle dealer near Windside, Nebraska. When you sit with a customer and figure out what hybrids are going to work the best on their farm, and, and then in harvest time when they come through and perform very, very well, it's, it makes you feel good that you place their products in the right place. For more, contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticides. Don't fly high. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation this afternoon with Mike Suzlo. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. And just like we've seen the struggles in the grain complex because of this heat 
for the most part, Chicago noticing. It's definitely, I think, Mike, being noticed from a livestock perspective. Yeah, and this is where the demand is holding up so well, too, the export demand especially. And I think the funds have really tapped into that the last three weeks. And so, you know, not to try and oversimplify the agriculture sector, but a lot of times you wonder what the funds do and why they're buying one sector and not another. And I think this year you could really lay it at the feet of the demand. And I think the export demand on the weekly export sales for beef this past Past week were something like 90 or 97 percent above the four-week average, and so between that and the drought and and the cutting back of of probably market-ready animals at this point going forward, Susan, I think the trade's very well tuned into that, and I think that's a really important statement to make, an an opinion to have for the hedge or the rancher out there to know that you probably do have or I think you do have quite a bit of premium already in this market. So while I feel like the grain market, you need to come back next week, especially if we see some disappointing weather uh, for the corn and beans, you need to feed the bear and the grains. In other words, to push prices lower, you need more bad price negative news. But in the, I think in the meats, it's the exact opposite, especially with this fantastic rally in the hog market taking us up to levels not seen since mid-June of last year. I think you're entering territory now where you need to feed the bull. You need good price positive information, and that starts with Friday's reports, cattle on feed, semi-annual numbers, and then cold storage as well. So a lot to digest on Monday. Is there concerns, uh, and as more and more producers talk about liquidating herd, is that going to weigh in on these markets at some point that the markets throw their hands up in the air and say, we're done? I think it sure could. And that's one of the things about the, the, the Reuters estimates for the placements and the on-feed numbers were fairly tight. Now, obviously, the placements were about 10 percentage points difference between low and high, but the on-feed number was 98.9 to 100.8, so not much more than a couple percentage points. I told clients I'm at 92% in placements for June versus the average trade guess of 95 and a low number of 89, and that's because I think we've worked through a lot of those young calves and and early uh, animals have already gotten into the feedlot. So I, I simply think we're pretty much... Uh, through that num those num those big numbers that we could place lighter weight cattle earlier. So I'm I'm really watching that. I'm also really really in tune with the marketing's number. Um, we need strong marketing's because the trade's built into its mind that we've got very strong demand regardless of the dollar strength, regardless of the recession. So that I don't want that to disappoint the trade. Because we've got a lot of food insecurity talk, we're hearing it a lot in the mainstream media. Um, What are you seeing and what are you hearing from folks, especially as things continue to go on with Ukraine and and as we've talked this entire segment has been the dryness? Yeah, and this is where it goes back to how fast do we cut back the supply and kind of shock demand with sharply higher prices right as we go into a recession. I mean, that's where I could see kind of two cars having a head-on collision where we're going into recession by Q4 of this year, and at the same time we have such tight supplies of red meat net-net between poultry, pork, and beef that all of a sudden we have a price shock to the upside, and that's that's what I, at the retail level especially, and that, that's what really concerns me at this point. That goes back to that Federal Reserve meeting, and that's why at these price levels we really do want to start thinking about getting some protection in place unless we really do get good reports on Friday, if you ask me. So before you and I started the Fontenelle Final Bell, a news story came out from Reuters, and the headline says, Interest Among Insurers in Covering Ukraine's Grain Cargoes, and 
kind of interesting because we'd had a discussion earlier on this show about that, um, wondering how are they going to open up these grain ports to get this grain moved? Who's going to insure the ships that are coming in? So that might be our answer. Yeah, and I think this is where it goes back to the governments, I think, of the world are rightfully willing to do whatever it takes to get this grain moving out of essentially Odessa. That's really the port that really counts, as you and I have talked about before. That's the crown jewel in the Black Sea because of the stocks it holds, how fast it can load and get ships out. But I also feel as though, Susan, this is a little bit of a potential trap to get lulled into because Russia has just been moving east, 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 and they're right next door to Odessa at this point in eastern Crimea and and in the Donbass region. And so I'm really skeptical about this whole uh, grain shipping lane. If it opens, how long it will be open. Um, I, I just think another week from now I'll feel a lot better if things are still on track. Well, what's your one key to watch coming into Sunday night's trade? Well, obviously, if I'm right about this July trade, it's it's that the trade starts to think about weather because they've priced in enough demand destruction. They've priced in enough global recession, especially with China saying they're going to ease their COVID quarantine rules. Well, always a great conversation, Mike. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Best way is to go to globalcomresearch.com. That's globalcom with two M's, research.com. I have a lot of blog updates, have a weekly newsletter from last weekend that I think would help with our conversation today. Just sign up for a free trial there. All right. That's been the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.